Welcome to Wheel Adventures again. This is Mark and Ringe with episode three about our trip to Heart Mountain National Wildlife Refuge. It's an antelope refuge and it's down in southern Oregon near the very small town of Plush. We went with our friend Patrick and his two wonderful border collies, A.O. and Odie. And there is a hot springs there that's just extraordinary. It's one of our favorite places to go. And we drove down by means of pavement just to get down there because Patrick was already down there waiting for us. So we wanted to get there and so that we could camp with him and do some uh, soaking in the hot springs. And then on the way home, we took a scenic route that's off-road, that is just spectacular, and we did that again. So, welcome back to Wheel Adventures, and here's the episode. The sun has gone down behind the ridge here at Heart Mountain Hot Spring Campground. We're in Heart Mountain National Antelope Wildlife Refuge. And it is already May 3rd, and uh, we had to get back on the road from our winter in Arizona and elsewhere. It's been almost five weeks since Ringe and I and Patrick did a trip, and uh, Patrick uh, went to his property down near Lakeview, and we uh, we headed out uh, this afternoon, actually this morning, but it took us a good five, six hours to get here. And uh, we decided to do pavement. We Originally, we were going to take a dirt road route that we've done before, which goes from Bend through China Hat and uh, through Sand Springs areas, all, all gravel and some double track to get to here. Uh, that would have been probably twice as long. So we just pounded pavement for about five hours, six hours to meet with Patrick. And we uh, met him here. He already had the best campsite in the whole place because it's pretty big. It's right next to a beautiful little brook. And we're looking at the the sun glow on the, on the ridge. The sun is set behind the ridge and there's remnants of snow and it's getting freaking cold now and uh, we have yet to start our new pop-up fire pit that we just bought after seeing Jason Jason's review of it at Primal Primal Overland at his uh, YouTube channel so we decided to get one so we could actually be warm at night but if you're gonna have a fire pit it's a good idea to get get some wood or some logs so that you can actually have a fire, which we didn't do. We just have two dogs. And we don't want to throw the dogs on the fire because they hate that. So we're sipping our hot chocolate and whiskeys and witnessing the setting of the the flaming gas bag in the sky. And uh, uh, we took a, uh, well, I took a soak. Patrick took a soak in this hot spring, which is a wonderful hot spring. It's a, it's a, a pool that's that's quite deep, like 
almost over your head in a couple of places so you can get really deep into it. Um, temperature varies a little bit. I'd say right now it's, what do you think, it's like 100 degrees? Like 100? I think it's like around 100. Because it's not super hot. You don't get in and go, ooh, 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 oh. It's just like bath water, nice. Uh, but it's been really cold here. I mean, it's been getting down in the 20s. Some folks that were in the hot springs told us that it snowed last night, and the snow's already disappeared except for the the winter remnants that are up on the ridgetop and the cornices and so forth. So I soaked for about a half an hour, and we brought some green chili stew with turkey in it and so forth, and we shared that all around and had dinner and gin and tonics, and uh, tomorrow we're going to hike around here. And we took uh, the pavement route rather than the dirt road route that we've normally taken, which which is a really beautiful route that goes from Bend out towards uh, China Hat and Sand Springs, uh, the back way in on gravel to uh, Christmas Valley. And then uh, Christmas Valley, take the pavement over to 395, and we found a, an amazing valley that we we go through that takes a couple of hours or two or three hours to get from 395 from the highway up to Hart Mountain and it's all dirt the whole way. It's mostly double track with some single lane gravel and uh, not nothing really technical. It's a little rough in a few places but it's just just, just really stunning. It's just like savanna uh, sagebrush and going through juniper forests and, and uh, lava basalt uh, ramparts along the way. So we'll bring you up to speed tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. This whole valley is probably more lively than most places because of the warm water. With the hot springs. The last time we were here, we... What, what were we hearing in the hot springs, honey? Was it geese flying over? Oh yeah, it was sandhill cranes. Sandhill cranes, a whole yeah. flock of sandhill cranes going over the hot springs and they in pitch dark. And somehow they were able to to negotiate landing. I did hear one crash, and I heard, I thought I heard him go, oh, shit. But uh, other than that, I was surprised that they were able to, they were able to land in, in, uh, in complete darkness. You know, last time we were here, there was water on the other side. 
down in the valley because I remember them coming around and us thinking, God, they're really running late tonight. It's getting quite dark and they're going they're heading for that water. Yeah. No water then now. No, it's been dry. Sandhill cranes walking the dog lake. They were like hundred yards from me, just walking down the road. Oh wow, cool. Any bird that looks like a dinosaur that much just freaks me out. Oh, I love them. They're really creepy. It's amazing how big they are. I guess this is our version of Shangri-La because it's in this kind of hidden valley here, <laughs> right? And it's got the hot springs and uh, it's just in this basin that uh, not even uh, 5G can get through because when we dropped in here it just, the phone signal just completely dropped out. getting quite wintry out. I mean, it was clear there's a sliver of a crescent moon out, and it was quite beautiful, and we did not gather any wood for the new fire pit, as I said. So we are now inside, and after struggling with the pop-up fabric insulation, we got it up. So when we bought our sportsmobile, there was a duffel bag with rolls of what was camo on one side with snaps and white on the other side. <laughs> and the salesman was a bit of an idiot uh, because this rig has an indoor and an outdoor shower. And I don't have any clue how you would ever use the indoor shower. The toilet sits in a shower basin, but there's no room to really put a shower curtain up so it would make a huge huge wet mess it's just not possible so we only use the outside shower but the the thing is is that the salesman said oh that's a shower curtain and i just i didn't really think twice about it because i didn't really look that closely it's like oh okay they must have some way of rigging that up when i pulled it out and looked at it it's actually a really nicely made insulated fabric with snaps that correspond to snaps they installed along the fiberglass roof on the inside and it just lines the entire parameter of the penthouse, the sportsmobile penthouse pop-up. And oh my god, it is so cozy in here. It it's so warm. It took us how long do you think it took to to put this up? Probably about ten minutes. So worth it though. We turned the heater on and it's like I mean before you know, in cold nights, and we've had some really cold nights. I mean, we've stayed in this when it was down to like 16 degrees, and it is it is not my preferred uh, place to be when it's that cold because the, the cold just comes right through that fabric. 
and we've been out in winds like at one night in Beatty, Nevada, when we were headed to uh, uh, we were headed to Death Valley. A windstorm came screaming out of the mountains. It was like 50, 60 mile an hour gusts, and it was really loud. So sound and thermal insulation now from this should be so much better. Uh, the only downside is tonight. I think with this up, I wonder if we'll be able to actually hear the hear the beautiful creek outside. I think I hear it. I hear what sounds like a generator. <laughs> oh, I hope a not. Little sound. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's it, it makes a huge difference. I mean, when we're on the road, when we were traveling, you know, cross country on pavement, and we're not overlanding, we're just trying to get to a destination. If the temperature was in the twenties, we would just go. You know what? Let's just stay in a freaking motel. And be comfortable and not have to uh, listen to the furnace pop on and off. I mean, we travel with, like, sleeping bags that are rated at, like, 15, 20-degree sleeping bags. But it's it just gets really cold in here. And now with this, uh, with this insulation, just even with our body heat, I think it will make a huge difference. And I'm also remembering the night we came up here. It was one of our first trips we ever did, I think with the rooftop tent on the Hummer H3 when we did the the build on the Hummer. And uh, I'm just glad we're not out in cold nights in that. We used a Mr. Buddy heater, which really didn't work so well because I was always worried about going up, like having having us flambéed. And uh, um, so I was worried about fire. And the other thing is, is on the lowest setting, you could only leave it on for about two minutes, and it was just cranked. It was like a sauna. It was too warm. So um, I think those little they, Covia makes a little heater called a uh, Cupid, and it's about half the size of the um, of the Mister Buddy, and it doesn't use Coleman cartridges. It uses the butane cartridges, like like the little uh, you know catering stoves that people are using now. And uh, it doesn't put out as much heat, which would be way more appropriate for a rooftop tent. But uh, I mean, there's things I miss about the rooftop tent, you know, sleeping. Now we kind of the same thing. We sleep in the penthouse, so we're kind of elevated up off the, we're definitely off the ground. Um, it just, it was roomy. It's roomier than the penthouse bed, but um, it's just so cozy in here having having an expedition camper like this four-wheel drive camper it uh, we may not be quite as capable of traversing technical terrain like we could with the Hummer but it's taken us everywhere we've asked it to basically and I I'm gl I I am glad to give up some technical ability to be able to get out of cold and wind and bugs and have a place to retreat to, retreat to and cook inside if we need to without wind trying to blow the uh, the stove out and rain and snow and it just gives us an escape and having two refrigerators we have the the propane front loader fridge that was installed in the the whole kitchen setup in here and uh, and then we've got the the little top loader fridge that we've had for five years now and never even hiccuped 
So at some point, I'm going to do a whole episode on what we have done with our sportsmobile camper, how we got it, how it was set up, things I've done to it. And I just feel like I've got it so dialed in right now that everything, everything is done to it that I'd ever want to do. I know most people say, oh, you'll, it's an ongoing process. You'll never be finished with it. I feel like I'm finished with it. I got the last piece of equipment today that I can think of that we need for the camper. I was looking all winter in Arizona and other places for one of those little battery-operated fans that go in the refrigerator to help circulate the cold air because when you open the front loaders, all of the cold air vomits right out on the floor. So the temperature goes up. And when the temperature is really high, it helps to circulate the cold air from the freezer and the coils, uh, the fins, the cooling fins in the back of it. So I found one of those today. That's basically the last thing I need is a little $20 refrigerator fan. It's got a little battery that uh, plugs into it. And you can turn it on and off. So I'm pretty pleased. This is uh, This is like, as far as I'm concerned, this is like the ultimate traveling vehicle. It's... Uh, um, we can turn the front seat around and Ringe is sitting there now and it's facing back. We've got a, I installed a lagoon table uh, that's a marine style table that's got a tabletop on it that we can both sit and eat at if we need to. I've got space to put, uh, put cutting boards so I can prep vegetables, prep food. Um, we've got uh, two sleeping spaces we've got the couch down below that's like six and a half feet long with storage under we've got the we've got the penthouse on the top with the uh with the the mattress it's it's not much way don't you think it's about like maybe slightly narrower than a, than a full-size bed mm-hmm. yeah but you can't unlike a full-size bed when it's really narrow you always feel like you're going to fall somebody's going to roll over and fall out of it right. there's no way to do that here it's like you're in a crib so, uh, yeah. oh, it's our crib. Uh, maybe that's what we need to name. We, we haven't officially named the sportsmobile yet. So maybe we just need to call it the crib, uh, the big white crib. So anyways, we're going to read for a little while and then, uh, and then retire in our newly cozified sportsmobile pop-up. You sound very happy that there's nothing left to be done would you hate me if I told you there's something that we still need to do? No, what do we need to do? <laughs> well, you remember this winter being down in Florida when it was humid and quite warm and quite, quite buggy. And we had all the windows open and we had the wonderful fan that was such a blessing. And the noceums came right through these screens. Oh, yeah. Yep. So... That is a very practical thing that we still need to talk further about. How could we, what would be the most practical, the most affordable, the most easy way to address that? I can't remember. Are there no CMs in Oregon? Because I, I know we've gotten bit like thousands of times by mosquitoes, but are there no CMs here? There are, yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to. Sorry, I just deflated your happy balloon. I was afraid of that. I don't know how we could maybe deal with that. Maybe make midge-proof, no proof nets with Velcro that I could put over the mosquito netting that's on the windows that open up. 
at least a couple of them so we can get some airflow mm -hmm. um, because yeah yeah well, it one would benefit of living here and camping largely on the east side of the Cascade Mountains is that nights almost always are cool if not downright chilly so it means we need less windows open than if we were say over in the Portland area or somewhere so if we ended up doing just say two windows one here and one up in the back maybe the cross current of that use the fan yeah have yeah. those both be no cm proof that could work i don't know let's look into it it's it's frustrating but um yeah that was a problem this winter in the keys of having everything open and that was lovely and and getting some air with a fan and noticing we're getting crawled on i think once we turned the lights out at night i think that's when i started noticing just just getting crawled on saddleback key was a nightmare yeah yeah because we it was so warm and humid i i think that all night it didn't get much cooler than 78 or 80 degrees and um, the only saving grace was the fan that I'll go in in another episode I'll go into detail on this really really cool fan that I saw in a uh, uh, Conqueror overlanding trailer a UEV 440 uh, they had two of them in there and I found them on on Amazon and I adapted it so I'll talk about that and so even though we had no outside ventilation uh, I had the fan blowing on us, and that made a, a what would have been a nightmarishly humid and hot, sweaty, disgusting night really not that bad. Yeah, it, it was survivable, but uh, yeah, we couldn't have anything open because the the noceums were coming right in. We were right down by the. We were so close to the water. I probably could have thrown a stone to hit it, but there were we were in a a dead end road that you're not supposed to stealth camp anywhere in the keys it's against the law but we found this place on uh, i overlander and we went down to this dead end road it was paved all the way to the end but it dead ended in this mangrove like cul-de-sac it just was it just ended and it was really damp and dank and no wind and it was hideous but, uh, it was not hideous. It was hideous. The Keys, no. don't ever go to the oh, Florida Keys. It is a nightmare there. We should definitely do an episode just talking about our Florida experiences because there's so much to be said, and I really feel like so many people go to the Keys and, and just spend the big bucks and go to Orlando or go to Key West or go to Miami or whatever and and they have that kind of experience and it's very sort of climate controlled and manageable although they probably get sunburned and sick from too much cotton candy and their kids and whatever but um, if you're going to do a wilder experience then you're into a whole different aspect of Florida that is much less climate controlled and that's both lovely and potentially pretty buggy and humid and even sometimes awful but also wonderful with the rustling palm trees and 
like our last beach camp. Yeah. What was that beach? That was o- over near Cedar that. Key. I'm not sure. It was near Steenhatchee. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a. It, I can't I call it a secret site because it yeah. was actually quite crowded with locals, but it was, it was like something you would find in, in like the Yucatan. It was, it was freaking amazing. It was There's, the closest we've ever camped on the beach, I think, right? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, we were right, literally right on the beach with palm trees overhead and in the most disgusting, <laughs> oh my God, the, the rest, uh, I can't. The bathrooms. <laughs> the, the unrest restrooms, they, <laughs> they smelled, the water smelled like sulfur and it came out like brown in the toilet like well you like he likes the smell of sulfur with uh, no, hot only, springs only in hot springs but, this was like this filthy was, water this was like sewer and sulfur put together it was really unfortunate yeah, the bathroom was really I, I really used it sick several times and not in the a good, first sick way. evening and then realized it was in my nose and i could still smell it and i said i can never go back in there again and I it's did been not. months and i can still smell <laughs> it <laughs> it was bad Oh my God! And there was a shower, but it's like, smell. oh, you would go, you would go in there covered in cow manure, and you would, <laughs> you would come, out, like you would come out worse in that shower. It's like, nah, not going in there. <laughs> I don't know what was going on with that, but besides that, it was pretty awesome. You know what? I think we're probably kind of loud. I'm guessing the sound might travel all the way over to Patrick's. Uh, rig, so okay. I think we better sign off. But because uh, right. I've been told I have a really loud voice, You're pretty quiet so uh, uh, I'm going to uh, to call it an evening, and uh, we'll bring you up to date tomorrow. The embers are heading my way. surprised that Odie can see a sliver of a moon. It would make sense that he would chase a full moon, but chasing things in the sky all the time. <laughs> you can't be too careful. He's actually, yeah, he really he picked up on it um, with the chickens, because whenever the hawks would come around, I'd clap my hands trying to get the hawks to be like, eh, I don't want to go there. Yeah. And then he picked up that any good sized bird flying near our property he'd chase off. He does. That's cool. Huh. I feel really comfortable with the chickens out with him in the yard because he's going to protect them. The rooster or one of the dogs? Uh, Odie. Odie. Odie protects the chickens from the big birds. Oh. Big bird. Odie. Where's that big bird? <laughs> <laughs>
We should have some hot, oh. hot coals there for a while, at least for a little while. What do you think of this thing? What thing? The fire pit. I think it's really nice. Yeah. I think it's good. That yeah, I'm glad we got it. This is nice sitting around the fire instead of sitting around in the dark <laughs> wishing we had a fire. And as I was telling Patrick, you know, the, the downside with if you do have a fire ring, the downside is you've got to orient yourself relative to the fire ring, whereas this you can pretty much put it wherever you want, outside your rig. Yeah. And a lot of times we camp in places that are that don't have a fire ring, that are not campsites. We're just in the middle of nowhere and we don't want to leave scars. So that's nice. That's really nice. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Throwing pebbles in the sky when there's a lot of bats around and they chase it to the ground. No. Pretty wild. We only had pebbles. I know. And I'm like, there's no pebbles here. Do you smell that wood though? Wow. Yeah, the cedar. Oh, he is burning. Okay. The yeah. cedar from his that smells just really good. good. Fantastic. I had cedar incense cones and yeah, I. Yeah, cedar incense is just So I think we should uh, have a soak on our way out, get, a rig, get the rig set to leave and pack everything up and go park over at the hot spring, the main hot spring, and have a soak before we leave. What Sounds do you think? That's good, yeah. Let's do it. We'll get sweated up packing up the rig and we'll go and have go. a morning soak. Yeah. Yeah, that smells. We could drink our coffee over there. I don't know if I can wait that long. I don't know if I can get going and to pack the rig without coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. there it is again. Hi, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's very cool. It's crazy. They're little mammals. Yeah. There are some uh, bat flying foxes bat rescue down in Australia that yeah. I think has done more to promote awareness of and affection for some of the cuter bats at least. Yeah. They're all freaking cute. I don't know. I've seen a few that are a little creepy, but the flying foxes are incredible. They just Bugs look like big pups. They look like puppies. Yeah. Dogs with wings. Dogs with yeah, wings. I feel that way. Well, we're packed up. We just timed ourselves to see how long it would take to get packed up with the new insulated interior uh, paneling that we have to unsnap and fold up and get camp uh, <laughs> broke the way we normally do with putting the griddle away and the, the chairs and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, oh, and dog poop patrol, so that slowed me down quite a bit. <laughs> dog poop. But almost an hour. Yeah. So uh, we're warming the rig up, and it, over the night, it blew in about midnight. It started getting really gusty, and I, uh, Ringe was brave enough to go outside and kind of batten down the hatches so that the, the fire, our new fire pit, pop-up fire pit thing doesn't blow away, and our chairs and all of that. And uh, 
so we didn't eat outside. Uh, Patrick came over and we all had coffee in the rig where we were out of the wind. It's not real cold, but uh, it... Uh, the wind is chilly. The wind is chilly and it's cloudy and it looks like the rain is moving in, which is weird because I thought we were going to have nice weather until like starting on Friday. But uh, such as it is. It's always changing. It's always changing. And, and when you have no signal, it makes it a little more difficult to uh, pack for everything or plan for everything or anticipate everything because it changes. So very changeable here. We're in the we're in the question of whether, if we really do get into some rain, are we wanting to be burly and stick it out for another night or so, or whether we want to head home. It's a um, lot easier to do that with. Uh, with a with a actually a motorhome to be inside yeah. rather than a a ground tent or rooftop tent that's blowing around and I'm trying to stay out of the wind a little bit because we're going to get some clipping here on the audio and uh, tell them where we're standing right now this we're standing beautiful. next to this beautiful little creek that runs right past the hot spring which we're going to go and soak do a, like a half hour soak before we hit the road and um, and at the very least I think we'll head uh, on a route that we've done before, like I mentioned earlier, uh, that's dirt road, uh, wide gravel to single track or to double track to to uh, out to uh, Highway 395, uh, which we come out a bit south of Riley, and at the very least we'll do that on our way home instead of just driving more pavement, which is okay, but it's a little on the boring side. So. Um, Let's tell them some highlights of where we've been. Well, we hiked uh, yesterday up uh, on Burke, what's it called, Burke Burke Hardy Road? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's called like Burke Hardy Road, and it's, it's but locked. But it's just out to the south from the campground. Yeah, it's out to the south, but it's really pretty. It goes up, up way up high, and um, we hiked uh, five miles round trip, climbed about 1,000 feet, had really magnificent view up there. At uh, the first real... Um, plateau that you get to you kind of have a, a Y and you can either head down into the valley on the other side or you can continue going kind of straight up I mean it's not super steep uh, and we chose this time to go uh, further up we hadn't done that before because it's past times it's usually been kind of a little overcast and windy and cold up there but yesterday was the most perfect day ever up here it's early spring the little buds are peeking out and fuzzy little uh, pussy willows and birds everywhere although we did not luck out with sandhill cranes I was hoping for that uh, which we experienced here on another visit but it was just spectacular up there sweeping vistas and if you go far enough you really get a 360 view that's really special so good hike and then soak yeah, yeah. you can't get through the um, evidently the uh, people that the that maintain this whole thing, and I, I can't remember if it's, well, I know it's National uh, Wildlife Refuge, so uh, there's that. They There's a gate at Burkhardy Road just uh, on the other side of the campground here, which you can, of course, walk around, but uh, they have it locked until they decide that it's okay to drive it. And we drove that in our Hummer H3 several years ago, up and over, and it was really beautiful. Went way out back and beyond, all the way down to the Nevada border. So I'm looking forward to coming back and doing that in the van, actually, at some point later this summer. But uh, I think we're going to go soak for a little bit 
and then uh, we'll figure out if we're gonna head all the way home today or do another camp out. I think I want to mention a couple more little highlights here that um, some people we've met walking around weren't aware of so I think it's worth mentioning if you're not huge explorers for every inch of your surroundings but uh, when you first pull into the campground there is a large um, bathroom and if you take a left there rather than a right or a hard right into the rest of the campground if you take a left it takes you back out into um, is it aspens back in there those all those trees remember when we walked there? yeah over oh, there yeah. so a bunch of there's shade over there and um, great dog walking off leash and stuff so i'm not sure if there's a road that goes and goes yeah we never really hiked very well, far well we went yeah we went a ways but anyway that's worth exploring and then of course there's the hiking trail out to the south that we're talking about and then um, a special aspect that i love about coming up here is trying to time it so you're here in the fall when the aspens are at their peak because there are a couple different groves of them and they're truly spectacular. So as I said, it's just early spring here now, which is, is wonderful in its own way um, with all the the trials and, and glories of spring. The, and hot springs. Yeah, and, and the I, hot springs, of I course. I think we mentioned that there's the, there's the deep pool that's all oh, got yeah. a masonry wall around it. And then there's a shallower pool that's probably four maybe five degrees hotter that I can stay in for maybe 10 minutes it's like okay but I stayed in the deeper pool yesterday for well over an hour I think uh, it's it's maybe 100 101 something like that the so. natural pool is the hotter one and it's it's maybe if you sit down it comes up to mid chest or so but it's got a muddy muddy bottom that's a little bit creepy but it's soft and uh, if you don't mind being that natural, it's a lovely experience and warmer than the other one. We met a couple the, our first day here who had been here the day before and they were sitting in the big pool and it was snowing and they were barely warm enough. So uh, nice to have some choices. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll pick it up after we get on the road here and fill you in on what happens next. Thanks for uh, traveling along with us with Wheel Adventures. Well, we came down the mountain and uh, at the base of the descent, there's a kind of a public campground area and they have uh, potable water. They have a water well there. So we filled up our drinking water so we don't have to drink water out of the freshwater tank, which kind of takes Banky. Um, and uh, so we headed out into the great open, uh, which is about a wide two-lane, three-lane gravel road, fairly washboardy, and we take it north on a road that I don't actually know if there's a name for this road, but this route is, I'll try and figure out the name at some point. And uh, it is such a beautiful route. It goes past bluffs and it narrows down into, it's a little washboardy here as you can hear, uh, but it narrows down to a one lane dirt track and then it eventually will narrow down into, uh, uh, down into a double track. 
and it's just this open kind of grassy now that grass is green and, and the sage is starting to come more alive and uh, just these huge grassy plains uh, can't see real far because there's just billowing clouds of dust because the wind is blowing I'm guessing it's gusting to 60 because it was when we got out to fill up water it was a little hard to stand up even it was it was blowing that hard and uh, so uh, we're heading north and there's we'll either camp down the road 20 miles or so there's as I remember along this route there's a there's a stand of uh, trees that would give us some shelter because uh, even though we have slept in the pop-up and winds gusting to like 50 60 mile an hour or so it it still gets a little noisy and the new the new insulating fabric will help cut that down some I would imagine but uh, we'll either do that or we'll continue on to Christmas Valley and get some fuel. We're down to just below a half half tank of diesel and I have a 46 gallon tank uh, on this rig. So we have pretty good range. We generally get uh, when we're on the highway somewhere in the 16 to 18 mile an hour mile an hour mile per gallon range and when we are off road seems to be in the 12 to 13 but with a 50 mile an hour tailwind running downwind heading north along the way here I'm guessing we'll get even better fuel economy than that so it should extend our range some and uh, god this valley is just so beautiful and we're gonna try and post along with our podcast we're going to have an Instagram or a Facebook uh, that you can go to. And unlike a lot of YouTube vloggers that do overlanding stuff, you have to be a Patreon member to get the, the actually find out where they are because it's so compelling to uh, see the scenery in their videos and know where they are. So it's a good marketing strategy to do that. I don't believe we'll ever monetize. I mean, never say never. I might. I'm doing this mainly because I want to share information. I want to inspire. I want to educate. I want to give you something to listen to while you're cooking at home or bored at work or driving long distances. You don't have to watch anything. I'll try and paint a picture while we drive. But uh, I made... We may do that if we get enough listeners, enough people that really enjoy this. We may, we may do something along that lines. But uh, mainly, I'm just doing it because I really love doing it. Uh, I want to share my love of being out in these remote places and uh, exploring and uh, sharing some of the sounds. We'll share some of the sights and pictures and short videos and Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Thought I'd bring you along today. The road's a bit rough in here. Got a hard pan with uh, with some uh, corrugation and some rocks. 
that are embedded, but we're able to keep up with a, about a 30, 30 to 40 mile an hour pace and uh, going along some really beautiful volcanic bluffs and it's just getting greener and greener through here. And it looks like the wind might be even letting up a little bit because it's not quite as dusty right now, but oh, what a gorgeous valley. So, uh, dog is sleeping. Uh, Ringe's taking scenic pictures out the window of the weird clouds and making them look even weirder on her phone. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just beautiful to be out here. Okay, so I was able to. Oh, cows, baby cows, going past baby cows. So I was able to go ahead on Gaia and identify the name of this road that we're on. It appears to be National Forest Development Road. I don't see a lot of development out here. Uh, National Forest Development Road 6155. So if you're coming to Heart Mountain from heading south on 395, I think that's, it continues right out onto 395. And, uh, that's where you turn. So I was able to look at my map. We're out at th uh, Highway 395. And so I'm going to give people a heads up. If you're in Eastern Oregon and you want to do this route, it's just about exactly 75 miles. When you turn off of Highway 395 heading south from Riley, which is up off of Highway 20, you take a left, uh, you head uh, east on a road, I go through the Gaia here, I can tell you what the route is. Um, the route that you get on off of 395 is called Little Juniper Road. You'll take a right turn heading southwest on uh, Little Juniper Road continues. It continues. I'm looking at uh, Gaia. Uh, it looks like it turns into Big Juniper Road, and it does go through. It goes under Juniper Mountain. Uh, it goes east of Juniper Mountain, and there's some really delightful campsites up in there. There's a campsite. If you turn off onto Little Juniper Road, as you go up the road about four or five miles, there uh, there is a a nice campsite. Just you know, if you you get in late, uh, we camped once just at the top of the hill after we turned off onto the gravel road, not realizing there was a nice spot about uh, about four miles further up the road. Uh, so you're on uh, Big Juniper Road. You follow Big Juniper Road, and you will take a left onto, it kind of continues out onto Bacon Camp Road, which is an extremely delicious sounding name for a road. And then you follow Bacon Camp Road, you get off on Nasty Flat Road. <laughs> it wasn't that nasty, but it, it would be extremely nasty if it's rainy. And, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, as we were just going through it, the clouds are really threatening. And I was like, eh, I hope it doesn't dump here because the tracks 
that looked like they were two or three days old when they got some uh, snow and rain here. It was, the tracks were all slithery. It was all over the place. So, uh, uh, yeah, you don't want to be on these any of these roads if it's raining because uh, they're not gravelized. They are just dirt roads and um, what is hard pan turns into glue. So Bacon Camp Road goes through Bacon Camp Draw and then it turns into National Forest Development Road 6155, like I said. And you basically stay on that all the way to the uh, uh, base of the road that you go up to go up to the top of uh, Hart Mountain to the hot springs. That road is actually called Flagstaff Lake Road. Uh, and, then, and then it turns into Hart Mountain Road. So there you have it. That's the route that we just did, and it was freaking awesome. Uh, it was the first time I've ever done it from south to north, and it was every bit as beautiful. So it was just a little change from the usual. All right, so we got to Christmas Valley, and we uh, got some diesel and a couple snacks to go with dinner and hit the road again. And uh, we headed up crack, crack in the ground road. Yeah. And a lot of people visit it because it's an interesting, uh, well, it's a big crack in the ground, for God's sake. So everybody wants to see a big crack in the ground. And it was the worst washboard that we've hit the entire trip. It was pretty punishing. And it was cold and windy out. And I was like, you know, I really don't feel like getting out and spending 20 minutes airing or more airing down the tires. So I just kept the speed down a little bit. But the, it was rougher than anything on the uh, uh, the previous 100-plus uh, miles that we did uh, going up to the Hart Mountain Hot Springs and then down and then on the route north where we came out on 395. But uh, it was really worth it because we are now at... Green Mountain Campground. Nobody's here. And uh, generally I don't like staying at campgrounds, but this has a spectacular view. We're up in a, a, a cedar juniper tree forest that has an amazing view out over the... Uh, uh, which direction is that? That's out this way. That's this is northish. That's north. Uh, yeah, basically south view from where we're at. And there's a there's a pit toilet here. It's primitive campground, but there's a really, uh, really nice fire tower here. It's all like cinder block, brick, and usually fire towers are just spindly things that aren't used at all. This has got solar, and it's all... It's all uh, cyclone and barbed wire fenced in, but it's uh, it's got solar panels galore. It's got uh, it's so windy that the the uh, what do you call those things that roll down over the windows that the wind they're metal metal uh, awnings attached to the windows to you know to uh, protect the windows I guess uh, 
and uh, they're just rattling like crazy because uh, the wind's still it's not as bad as it was where it was hard to even stand up when when we were coming down Har Mountain but uh, it's it's still pretty gusty and the view but the view is amazing uh, Ringe took some pictures of of uh, a beautiful uh, rainbow because it was sprinkling a little bit off and on and the clouds scudding across and the sky is really it's really amazing and uh, we've no got snow. A, there's no snow and just wind pretty mild tonight. yeah it's uh, supposed to Christmas Valley is supposed to be a low of about 44 we're about a thousand feet higher or more so I'm guessing we'll probably be 39 or 40 something like that so not real cold and uh, uh, we're really protected from the wind I, you don't even see the, the pop-up fabric moving or anything so we had a really nice easy dinner of sausages and uh, we picked up some potato Jojo's at the at the guest station market there in Christmas Valley and had a nice dinner and now we're having tea and hot chocolate and perhaps a shot of whiskey before we climb upstairs and we actually have pretty close to full bars weirdly enough um, I guess because of the high uh, elevation of this uh, in proximity to a cell tower somewhere out there we've got good reception so we're gonna we're gonna do uh, hotspot on my iPhone and we're gonna watch uh, Netflix so up up in the penthouse out of the wind with with our furnace on if we need it and uh, and then uh, turn in early and we'll head back to Redmond tomorrow but we're gonna take a, a back road route that I've I've motorcycled before and I've uh, I've driven it before in our Hummer and uh, it's it's just nice single lane mostly single lane uh, dirt roads gravel roads nothing technical but very scenic goes through some really pretty areas so we're gonna head out in the morning after our morning coffee and uh, and pancakes and we'll be back on the road we had a lovely night up on top of Green Mountain at the campground and it was peaceful and uh, where we were parked it wasn't too windy and where we came down uh, dirt roads cut over to a paved road that connects over by Fort Rock and we're now on a route that I have done several times by motorcycle and twice human powered I rode uh, this route which is called the Oregon Outback bikepacking route and I did that I want to say yeah, I did it 2015 if I'm not mistaken I did it on a dual suspended full suspended recumbent bike made by Azup. I did it with a group of other folks that were on mountain bikes and uh, fat bikes 
and we shuttle down to Klamath Falls. The route goes from Klamath Falls all the way up to the gorge. It ends at Deschutes River Recreational Area, beautiful campground that's right on the Deschutes River where it empties into the Columbia River. We rode the route from Klamath Falls back to Bend because three of us owned bicycle shops and the rest of the folks, uh, most of the rest of the field folks uh, had jobs to get back to. So we, were, we did it over a four-day period. I think we ended up doing a total of about 250 miles or so. And uh, so we're on, right now we're driving on a wide dirt road section of the Oregon Outback, heading north from Fort Rock, which is a really beautiful landmark, a uh, volcanic uh, landmark that looks like a fort, and that's why they named it, because it's a rock and it looks like a fort. And we're heading uh, north on Cabin Lake Road. Cabin Lake, I guess, used to be a lake. It's now just a dry place most of the time dry hole in the ground and uh, the road is surprisingly they must have graded this recently because uh, it's usually pretty washboardy I think it's a fair bit of traffic from hunters and people uh, connecting up to China Hat Road which goes straight up into Bend and the route we're going to take is we're going to cut off and go over near Sand Springs, Sand Springs Campground, and uh, we've camped there before, and it's just uh, another windy, beautiful day with uh, uh, fluffy clouds scudding across the sky, and uh, we're able to keep a pace on this road of about 40 miles an hour. And uh, it looks like it's going to be another beautiful day of travel to end this trip with. Had a nice breakfast, leftover pancakes, Ringa had eggs, walked the dog around the, uh, the really formidable, formidable uh, fire station that they have there, the fire lookout tower. Curious how often they use that. I'm going to have to look that up. If I do, I'll fill y'all in on the studio, short studio epilogue that we'll probably do uh, to conclude this episode of this trip. And uh, once again, thanks for coming along with us. So we pulled off to take a short break at Sand Springs Campground. We've stayed here before a couple of times. It's along the Oregon Outback bikepacking route. I'm just listening to the beautiful sound of the wind in the, in the pine trees here.
Thanks for coming along with us on our trip to Heart Mountain, taking the long way home. We hope you'll join us for many more adventures this year. And I can't wait to get back out again.